The topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4WN Radio. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Radio Tony. Your safe space for tough conversations, exposing secrets and talking about trauma and recovery. Radio Tony. Building resilience. Talking trauma. Radio Tony. Live from the Gold Coast, Australia. Radio Tony. Difficult conversations and bringing hope to listeners. Live from the Gold Coast, Australia on W4WN. Good morning, Australia. Good evening, America. I'm Tony Lontis, your host for Radio Tony, and we're coming to you live from the Gold Coast, Australia. We've got a jam-packed show today with a wonderful guest by the name of Deborah Olson, and we'll be talking all things girlfriends, but more on Deborah later. How are things in your world this week? I'm checking in with my listeners to see that you're all okay out there in the world. Life is not always easy and sometimes it helps just to be asked if you're doing okay. So, my wonderful listeners, I'm just asking, jump on the chat, let me know you're all okay and life's all right. Life is hard enough without thinking that you're alone in whatever you're going through or doing at the moment. And this week, here's the good, bad and the ugly across the world and some interesting facts for you to ponder before we get on to our guest. Scientists are quickly discovering that our gut microbes may hold the key to a vast amount of health issues, including ALS. Researchers at the Wiseman Institute of Science have shown in mice that intestinal microbes, collectively termed as gut microbiome, may affect the course of ALS, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. Progression of ALS-like disease has shown uh, to be slowed in mice who have received certain strains of these gut microbes or the substances known to be secreted by these microbes. The results suggest that findings are likely to be applicable to human ALS patients. I'm really excited we live in this age where such amazing advances in medical science are happening and technology. Good evening, Kath. I'm glad to know that you're doing well. Things in Australia are still quite cold. We're towards the end of winter, but it's still dropping down to the single digits at night and we're still getting heavy coverings of frost where we live. And I live on the border of Queensland and New South Wales. Um, and we've had a really cold winter this year, which is good. Um, thanks for letting me know how you're doing, Kath. Um, across in the Congo, there's a deadly Ebola outbreak 
and it now has the International Health Organization stating it's a national an international emergency. It came after a case was confirmed in a city of 2 million people. A World Health Organization expert committee declined on three previous occasions to advise the United Nations Health Agency to make a declaration for this outbreak, even though the experts say it's long met the required conditions. More than 1,600 people have died since August in the second deadliest Ebola outbreak in history. It's, a fo- it's unfolding in a region described as a war zone, which is even more concerning for the World Health Organization. A declaration of global health emergency often brings greater international attention and aid, and along with concerns that nervous governments might overreact with border closures. Medical marijuana is quickly being recognised as a viable alternative for pain relief. And now for the first time ever, researchers have uncovered exactly how the cannabis plant creates important pain-relieving molecules that are 30 times more powerful at reducing inflammation than aspirin. The discovery, which was made by researchers at the University of Guelph, unlocks the potential to create a naturally derived pain treatment that would offer potent relief without the risk of addiction that other painkillers offer. I'm amazed at just how many good things are coming out of medical marijuana use across the world. And you must understand that medical marijuana is completely different from pot or the drug of uh, addiction. So across to the UK where the new British Prime Minister Boris Johnson has executed an unprecedented cabinet clean-out just hours after replacing Theresa May in Downing Street. Nice news for those of us that like to take a hot bath. Taking a hot bath might do much more for your body than just offering you a chance to relax. New research says that it also helps you get a better night's sleep. Systemic review of existing data and research suggests that thousands of studies linking water-based passive body heating or bathing and showering in a warm or hot water improves sleep quality. To be exact, researchers at Cockrell School of Engineering found that bathing one or two hours before bedtime in water about 104 to 109 degrees Fahrenheit, that's 40 to 43 degrees Celsius here in Australia, can significantly improve your sleep. I think that's great because I love a hot bath. Over to North Korea where they have conducted another missile test. And it's the latest in a provocative move by this reclusive dictatorship. Over to Canada, where they've enacted a modernised Fisheries Act which uh, into law, which allows them to rebuild the abundance of fish in Canada's ocean. The Act also ends the import and export of shark fins in Canada. 
These changes, among with others, unlock tremendous potential for renewed ocean health. In Canada, only 34% of fish populations are healthy, while more than 13% are critically depleted. Of the 26 critically depleted stocks, only five have rebuilding plans. The Act's new provisions should change this, mandating that rebuilding plans can be created for all fish populations in critical zones, with a target to rebuilding them to to sustainable levels. All across the world, we need to be doing the same. We need to be paying attention to the world that feeds us and stop polluting and start protecting our natural assets and environments. And this includes, this includes the animals of our world. Otherwise, what will our children inherit from the world that we live in? Over to the US, where accused pedophile and multi-billionaire Jeffrey Epstein has been found in unconscious in his New York jail cell. It is thought it was an attempt at suicide. The world's second largest coral reef has been taken off the endangered species list. After being danger listed in 2009, the Belize Barrier Reef Reserve System was removed from the UNESCO World Heritage Centre list of World Heritage in Danger last month. The decision was made by the World Heritage Committee during its 42nd annual meeting held in Manama, Bahrain. The World Heritage Committee credited Belize's safeguarding measures as the cause for the historic conv- uh, uh, the historic victory. Apologies. As a means of protecting the reef, the country introduced a ban on oil exploration along with the entire maritime zone of the country in December of 2017, and they recently strengthened forestry regulations to provide better protection of their mangroves. I'm wanting Australia to do the same thing. We are lagging in the protection of our own Great Barrier Reef. Back to the US, where in his long-awaited testimony, Robert Mueller has dismissed Donald Trump's claims of exoneration, but that hasn't stopped the US president claiming victory. Would we expect anything else from the US president? I doubt it. A Muslim cleric who hid 262 Christians during attacks is to be honoured in the US. Because religious freedom is the core American value, it is fitting that U.S. Department of State presents an annual award for courageous acts in upholding religious freedom anywhere in the world. This year, one of the five people honoured with International Religious Freedom Award is Iman Abudali, the Muslim, the Muslim religious leader who selflessly risked his own life to save Christians who would have likely been killed without his intervention. In June last year, the surrounding herdsmen launched a dead, most of which who are Muslim, launched a deadly coordinated attacks on 10 villages that killed hundreds of ethnic Barome farmers. 
Amidst the mayhem, the 83-year-old Iman showed true courage and selflessness and brotherly love as he protected human lives despite religious differences. While Iman was finishing his midday prayers, he and his congregation heard gunshots and went outside to see members of the town's Christian community fleeing. Instinctively, Iman ushered 262 of them into the mosque and into his personal home next door. He then went outside to confront the gunman, and when the attackers asked him about their whereabouts, the cleric refused to give them up. What a courageous act from this 83-year-old man and well-deserving of his award. This week, Facebook has been fined a further $5 billion over U.S. federal, by U.S. federal regulators um, for privacy violations of its users. Facebook seems to be continuing to have these issues. Uh, over to Australia, where Australian troops have been deployed to the Philippines. Um, and this is because the threat of ISIS is now closer to our doorstep. There's a terror group whose activities are mounting in the Philippines. Over to Hong Kong, where protests continue and tens of thousands of people wearing black shirts and carrying British colonial-era flags are marching in Hong Kong. They're targeting mainland Chinese audience as a month-long protest uh, shows, shows no signs of abating. Over to Snapchat, where they added 13 million daily users in the three months ending in June. This ends a long period of lacklustre growth. Um, I do Google, where Google's machine learning model can create a 3D image of scans and search for subtle malignant tissue in the lungs. It can also factor in information from previous scans. When using a single CT scan for diagnosis, Google's model performed better than six radiologists. It detected 5% more cancer cases while reducing false positive exams by more than 11% compared to unassisted radiologists in its research. In breast cancer, metastases detection found 95% more cancer lesions than in pathology images, with pathologists generally only detecting 73% of these. Machine learning is the ability of machines to receive data and learn for themselves without being programmed with rules. In other technology-related news, Elon Musk wants to insert Bluetooth-enabled implants into your brain, claiming the devices can enable telepathy and repair motor function in people with injuries. Elon Musk wants to insert Bluetooth-enabled implants into your brain, claiming that this will help repair your injuries. And before I tell you about our wonderful guest, an interesting fact for you today, in an average lifetime, a person will spend four years travelling in an automobile and six months waiting at a red light. Wow. 
And today's guest is Deborah Olson, and she's a women's emotional health specialist and has provided counselling services for nearly two decades in the Greater Houston uh, in the Greater Houston area of Texas. She offers life enrichment seminars and retreats and provides hands-on solutions to enhance life in a meaningful, purposeful, and emotionally healthy ways. She's a registered nurse a licensed professional counsellor, and she holds a master's degree in clinical psychology at the Sam Houston State University. She also has a bachelor's degree in psychology from the University of St. Thomas, and she has recently authored a powerful book called The Healing Power of Girlfriends, How to Create Your Best Life Through Female Collection. So we're going to pop over for a quick break, and when we return, we'll be talking to the wonderful Deborah. Over to you, Rebel. Radio Tony, bringing social consciousness, this time every Thursday evening, live from the Gold Coast, Australia, on W4WN. Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty, is the new book from Australian author Tony Lontis. Available in paper, ebook, and audiobook formats, Resilience is the true life story of Tony, experiencing and surviving trauma, abuse, mental health issues, and the ultimate betrayal of someone she fell in love with. Exposing moral issues you may have dealt with too. Read how hope and happiness triumph in her life. Available at Amazon.com and all good online retailers. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. How are you, Deborah? I'm great. Thank you so much. I'm so honored to be your guest here. And I'm just so excited to talk about my new book and all of the wonderful uh, pieces of that book and the excitement surrounding it now as I go everywhere on my book tour. That's fabulous. So before we get on to questions, um, tell me, where have you been on your book tour so far? Well, I started the book tour in April in Phoenix, yes. Arizona. Yeah. And I did several book events there. I have a dear friend, Jenny Gosden, who is there, yes. and she yeah. put together a lovely, lovely book event with a lot of her friends at her club. We had yeah. a sellout crowd. Uh, they had to give us a bigger room because we ran out of space and more people wanted in, so that's a good problem to have. Yeah. And the following day, I went to yeah. a lovely retirement community called Marvia, and yeah. I spoke with some wonderful ladies there that I will tell you about later. They're called super yes. agers. They're 80 and above and they're thriving, thriving wow. and doing so well because of their friendships. So oh I had God. a lovely time there. I actually did my first radio show while I was in Phoenix. Yeah. I did a I did a segment with Carol Blonder and yeah. it was awesome. And I was in her studio and we talked about the book and it's just been so fun to see the excitement. And then I went on to California. I did yeah. two events there in the area of Palo Alto and Atherton. Yes. Yeah. And uh, my son lives there with his wife and his two darling grand, my two darling granddaughters, his, his daughters and his mother-in-law, my son's mother-in-law, Laura, yeah. 
put together a lovely, lovely event there with all of her friends. We had another large crowd. And then I spoke to another group of super agers with my daughter-in-law's grandmother, who's in the book. Her name is Harriet. Harriet is a super ager. She's going to be 91 in a few days. And I got to meet Harriet's friends and talk with them. And it was just awesome. And then I also went to Mexico to Playa del Carmen. I did two events there. Those were well attended. And then I did an event in Omaha, Nebraska, June 26th, which I have to tell you was a pinnacle event for my life. I spoke to the Yes, I was the keynote speaker at my alma mater, Nebraska Methodist College of Nursing, where I got my RN, and I was the keynote there. We had a sold-out crowd of over 150 people, and I sold out of my books. And it was the most delightful evening. And what I got to do is share with everyone there my passion for making a difference in women's emotional health. And yeah. it was a, an evening that was full of joy and delight. And I met a lot of former coworkers because I, I actually worked at Methodist Hospital yeah. in Omaha. That's my first place of employment back in the 70s. And so a lot of my former coworkers made the trip to Omaha to hear me present my book. And it was just surreal to me to look out on this crowd of wonderful, wonderful nurses and see familiar faces and then to hug people and then talk about my book with them. I donated the majority of the proceeds from my sales that night. I did sell a lot of books. I'm telling you the biggest sale I've ever had at one event. And the, the proceeds went the majority of the proceeds to a scholarship that I started after a very dear nurse friend of mine passed away several years ago. We started a scholarship, and I headed the scholarship up with her family to get that going, and we now give it out every year to a young nurse that is graduating and going to pursue studies in OB, in the NICU, which were the areas that my friend Julie that passed away and myself, I was an OB nurse. So this is our, our passion. So that scholarship, yeah, that scholarship fund is growing and growing. And it's just a delight to be able to give back to a cause that you're so passionate about. Oh, Deborah, that's amazing. That's quite a trip you've been on since April. Yes. Yes. Are you back home now for a while? <laughs> I am. I am back home for a couple months because yeah. I have a little grandbaby that's due any day. Aww. So, Aren't yes, grandbabies the best gift. They are. They are. I tell ladies that grandbabies are God's gift for all the years of being a mom and working so hard nonstop that the the greatest thing of all, the cherry on the top, right, is the grandchildren. So, <laughs> this will be it's- my sixth grandbaby coming. So it's just awesome. And this little grandbaby is coming any day. So I'm in Houston now where I live for the next month of August. And then I'm headed out again. I'm going to Florida. I have several events there with girlfriends that they have set up for me in Florida. And then on to Georgia. And who knows after that, it just keeps unfolding right in front of me. So we'll see. So fantastic to hear. So just for our listeners, um, towards the end of the program, I'll pop in all of Deborah's contact detail, including her website and all of her socials so that you can find out where to get her book. So we best get on talking about this wonderful book. So can you tell me, Deborah, what made you decide to write this book, The Healing Power of Girlfriends? Yes, 
Tony, I get that question a lot as I've been out touring. That's been one of the big questions that I keep getting asked by people. They're very curious about that. And there were two defining factors that led to me writing this book. The first one was we were on the beach in Playa del Carmen where we go every summer, my husband and I and our dear longtime friends, Kathy and Harlan. These are friends from Milwaukee days, and we've been friends for decades and decades. And we were on the beach with them, and Kathy and I were just chatting and chatting and chatting. You know how we do as women. We talk and talk and talk, and we're just having the best time chatting away on the beach. And her husband, Harlan, looked at us, and he said, you know what? I'm trying to understand you girls. You're chatting away a mile a minute. You're just, I mean, you're just talking and talking and talking. And he said, you are amazing because you've never lived in the same state since you, Deb, moved off to to Texas in 1992 and you left us in Wisconsin. And he said, you know, you and Kathy go years and years and you don't even see each other because you're raising busy children and having busy lives. And yet here we are all these years later, and this was in 2015, this happened. He says, here we are in 2015 and you're just still besties, you're BFFs and you're so connected and you love each other. He said, what is the secret? What's the recipe for that? And Kathy and I looked at each other and we were laughing and we had a twinkle in our eye and we said, you know, this is the deal. When we separated and states then were dividing us many, many hundreds and hundreds of miles apart, we made a pact with each other and we said, you know what? We're not going to let geography keep us from the friendship. We're going to keep in close touch no matter what. And so those were the days of snail mail. So we would, yes. you know, send cards and letters back and forth. We would call each other. We yeah. There was no texting in those days. There was no Facebook or social media. So no. we had to do it the old fashioned way, but we did. Yeah. And yeah. we stayed in touch. We stayed in touch. And we said to Harlan, we said, you know, the secret is making a commitment to each other that this friendship is a priority. We're not yeah. going to even let time or distance or busy lives interrupt that. We're going yeah. to keep that friendship thriving. And so we did. So that was one thing. He said He said to us, you need to think about this. Debbie, you need to write a book about this. I really think yeah. you should put this secret in a book. So that was the first thing. Secondly, a couple months later, I actually put on a seminar, as I do, I put on a lot of retreats and seminars for women. And this particular one, I decided to go ahead and put all my stuff, my curriculum and everything I'd been working on together. And it was about girlfriends. And I decided to call this seminar, I decided to just call it the healing power of girlfriends. So I wrote on my original curriculum. Everybody got a packet of materials. We went to Galveston to the beach at a very nice hotel where I always do my seminars down there on the water. And this is about 30 miles from where I live in Houston. And so we had this weekend and these lovely ladies, about 25 or 30 of them came together for the weekend. And from Friday to Sunday, we explored friendship. Yes. Yes. And we had breakout sessions and people, they had really special time with small table groups and they really broke it down and they, they started examining their friendships and they really started looking at what's important in friendships and how can we do this differently? How can we do this better? And so I presented all my materials and at the end of the workshop on Sunday, people came up to me one by one and they said, this was life changing. This seminar was so wonderful. And we learned things we never thought about. You need to put this in a book. Why don't you put all this material in a book? So I came home and that next week I said to myself, okay, I've heard this 
twice now that I need to put this in a book. So I'm going to start an outline. I'm going to start a book and I'm going to make this happen. So that's what I did in 2016. I started my outline and then I started writing the book in the middle of 2016 and continue the the writing process. And it was launched uh, March 8th of this year on International Women's Day. And the book is now selling on Amazon in Kindle or paperback version and selling at barnesandnoble.com. So it's been, it's just been a labor of love. I would say that it's like giving birth to a baby. There's some pain associated with the process for sure, but it's so worth it. And I'm so, so over the moon to be able to share all of this great information with women everywhere because it really is life-changing. Yeah, yeah. So what do you think makes your book unique from other books on female friendship? That's another question that I get a lot, Tony, and that's a great question. There are a lot of great books out there on female friendship, and I would say I've read most of them. I went on a search before I wrote this book to see what was written out there already, and I bought those books, and I read those books, and I have most of them here in my home office, and I have a, a a large file of them. My book is unique. It contributes something quite unique. And that is because it is a culmination of my years of working as an RN in women's health, as an OBGYN nurse. I got very close to women working with them in that field. And so I had a lot of exposure to the postpartum moms, to working with moms as they gave birth in labor and delivery, working with moms as they're learning how to breastfeed, all these things that you you work with them at the bedside and you really... And it doesn't doesn't come naturally. Not, Not everyone who right. has a baby I know for myself I had had two children completely different experiences and my first I didn't quite I had no idea <laughs> Right, right. Yes, there's no handbook that we read that tells us how to do everything and how to know, you know, the first time around, especially what it is we're supposed to be doing. So a lot of that comes from the guidance of the nurses on the OB floor. And it's, it's an honor to be able to partner with women during those days and to really help them and be hands on with them. So I had a lot of history with that. And then, of course, I've been a therapist and I specialize in women's emotional health. I've done that for almost two decades. So I have a lot of clients that I've worked with through the years and I have a lot of history that went into the book. I have some client stories in there where I talk about actual clients and some of the things that they brought to me. It's all done in a very anonymous way. So nobody's identified. And then I did my own original research, which I'm very proud of. I yes. designed my own questionnaire, my yeah. own original questionnaire on female friendship. And yes. I distributed that questionnaire from coast to coast in the United States, from the West Coast to yeah. the East Coast. I went to 10 different states to lots of different demographics. And I did a demographics question on there so people could check the box. I had people 20 to 30 something, 30 to 40, 40 to 50, all the way up to people in their 90s. And I got those back. I got between 150 and almost 200 of those back. And I looked at those. I looked at the answers of those and the trends that I saw, trends between age groups and states and different things. And I 
put all of that into the book. So all of that is also in the book, my original research. And then I looked at the robust research that is already out there from prestigious institutions, Stanford, UCLA, Harvard, Northwestern, BYU. I looked at all of the research and what is it telling us about the health benefits from female friendships specifically and what is it telling us how does it help us and what are the factors that play into that so I looked at all that that's also in my book I included all that and then I also have my own rich friendships and I am blessed and I know this I don't take this lightly I have rich rich friends all across the United States, rich friendships that are decades old. I have some new friends that are only maybe two to five years old, but they all bring something to my friendship table. And I put a lot of my actual friendship stories in my book. Those people are named and what part they have played in my life story, because all of us have a story and it's where we are our stories. And so as I have gone through decades of life, now I can look back and I can see how this friend played a part in this thing that was happening to me. I walked through this fire and she walked through that fire with me. And, you know, we all have the things that happen to us, curveballs find us, curveballs of life come pelting at us. And those friends are the ones that make the difference. So I share those stories in the book, real life stories. You take all that together and that's why my book is unique. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Before I ask you another question, one of the questions from Dan, one of our listeners, can a guy and girl be just friends with no expectations? Well, Deb, if there's anyone to ask, it's you. <laughs> I think that's definitely possible. I do have a lot of clients and people that have also talked to me in my book tours who've said things like, I have a guy friend that yes. is like, it's as if he is a gal friend. He really yes. gets me. He's a good listener. He really yes. gets me. And he's the person that I kind of go to when I need to have uh, somebody's perspective. So yeah. yes, it's definitely possible. It's definitely possible. And so um, I never discount or discredit those friendships that are male and female if they have, you know, a special kind of connection that one of them gets the other one. And so you yeah. have to you have to also pay attention to those. I didn't do research on that kind of connection. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm not the expert an on idea that. For another book. Right. That's an idea for another book. Exactly. (laughs) Yes, indeed. (laughs) Uh, Question from Missy. Why don't guys realize they are in the friend zone? (laughs) (laughs) That's another great question for you, Deborah. Uh, Another great question. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the guy relationships that we have with guys, um, that it's, it's different. Um, you know, and I've been married to the same wonderful man for 40 years. Um, and so we just had our 40th anniversary and he's, he's wonderful. Thank you. And he's my best friend. And we talk about a lot of things, but Mm -hmm. there's also some things he would tell you this, he would agree with this. There are some things that he can't validate for me, maybe in the way that I need another women's validation. So, A guy, a lot of times, you know, they want to fix things for us. And so what women have told me, and I'll just share with you what some of the women out there have shared with me is that when they talk to their husband or they talk to their significant other guy friend or whoever that's a guy, they say guys want to fix us because they want to help. And that's what they 
can do. They, they go into the fix it mode and that's how their brains are. So they want to, okay, what can I do to fix her? And sometimes as women, we're not asking for a fix. We're really just List, we want somebody to listen to listen us to and us. validate, say, oh, yeah. gosh, that's hard for you. And I get that. And I'm yeah. so sorry that happened to you. Or, yeah. or be our cheerleader and say, you're awesome. That was so cool. How did you do yeah. that? And, you know, that's that's so awesome. So sometimes it's just we need that validation. We need somebody to just take our hand and say, I'm walking yeah. through this fire with you. I don't yeah. know how it's going to be on the other end, but I'm going through with you, girl. I'm just going with you. So yeah. that's the good thing about a girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and Missy's question around uh, why don't guys realize they're in the friend zone, I, I guess that's a bit to do with unconscious behavior, perhaps. Probably. What do you think, Deborah? Yeah, that could be. That could be. Um, it, it's very possible. Um, I don't know. I just, I haven't really gotten into the, to the guy, uh, yeah, yeah, thing very much. So I really hate to say too much about all that because, um, I think that is for another book. My book really focuses on, on, you know, girlfriends. Yeah. So the the whole, the, the, the guy thing, when you bring that in that, that's a whole nother dynamic Dynamic, and there's all kinds of pieces that come into play with that. So, um, yeah, that's, that's just probably another conversation for another book. Um, Yeah, yeah. yeah. For sure. So in what ways does your book lay um, a foundation for the power that is in a sisterhood? The power of a sisterhood is is a powerful, powerful thing. And yeah. what my book talks about sisterhood um, in particular, it addresses I talk about different components of friendship and I designed my own original framework or paradigm for the different levels of friendship. Because as we know, not all levels of our friendships are equal. They aren't supposed to be. They're not designed to be. So we've got everything from the outer part, which is the acquaintances. That's my outer circle. All the way to the inner circle, which is the best friends. And I talk about my Olson friendship framework in the book. There is a diagram. I talk about the attributes of it. Thank you. Thank you. I put a lot of time and effort into this because I really wanted to highlight that as we move from the outer circles to the inner best friend core, we are building on a trust, a foundation of trust. And we're going further and further into that BFF where we become very much confidants. We become intimate, we become authentic, we become vulnerable, we let them see the raw self that's inside of us, and we're They're connected the holder on of your secrets. Yes, yes, we, they are. The, the best friends are keepers of our secrets. Yeah. So I wanted to design a friendship framework that would really highlight that along with the attributes that are there to kind of give you a bird's eye view of what do those different levels look like and feel like. So that's yeah. one piece. The other thing I did is I talk about the friendship dimensions in my book. And I talked about being friends for reasons or seasons. And what is that about? You know, we are sometimes a friend for a season. The season then doesn't last anymore. And so now it's time to move on. Yeah. Which answers Kayla's question about how is it that some women can be friends yet stab stab you in the back when it comes to men. And that that, uh, links into your um, framework where... You talk about women being friends for a reason or a season Mm -hmm. um, and Mm -hmm. the levels of friendship, doesn't it, Deborah? 
It does for sure. Absolutely. So um, that's that friendship dimension. I go into a lot of depth about that. And I also talk about the three pillars of female friendship. And those pillars are connection, communication, and intimacy. And I go into depth about what those are like. I even designed an intimacy pyramid where we have nine levels and we start at the bottom, the foundation, and we go all the way. We keep building, 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 building on that foundation to the pinnacle, which is where we're intimate with our friends. And the reason that's important is I'm trying to help you understand that not everybody's designed to be your BFF. That's and correct. that's okay, right? That's okay. Yeah. yeah. There's only a certain amount of people, and you might even count them on one hand, maybe three yeah. or four or five people that are really, really your BFFs. Yes. Everybody yeah. else is in those outer circles, and that's okay. They yeah. have a part to play in our life too. But yeah. I really wanted to get into these different levels. And the three pillars talk about that. They also highlight how you know, today we really need to focus on connection and communication and how does that look in our world today? Because things are getting a little more dicey, right? They are, they are with social media and just all different things that, you know, we've, we've got to look at that. So I address all that in the book. And so all of these things go into establishing the power of sisterhood and how does one really get to that power of sisterhood thing? What, what does that look like? So it's a, really a a combination of all these things coming together. And Deborah, you think that that power of sisterhood is incredibly important in this day and age, don't you? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. We need it now more than ever, Tony, and I'll tell you why. I'll just tell you real quick. Um, What we're finding out in our research today is that people, and this this boggles the mind, this really boggles the mind because we are in an era of super technology, but in our era of super technology, we're also very lonely. And the research is now pointing to the fact that people are more and more and more lonely and disconnected and feeling isolated. Well, how can I be today when we have all this social media? I don't know, but it's fact that people are more and more feeling disconnected and isolated. And I think it's because we've lost sight of how important those face-to-face connections are, those hugs that we give each other. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Those hugs that we give each other, when we hug and when we touch each other and we hold a hand, we are actually, there's a chemical release that happens in our brains when we do that. And you can't get that same effect from doing a like on somebody's Facebook page. It's, that's different. It's a different um, mechanism. So we are connection. Yeah. It's that person to person connection, isn't it, Deborah, that, that is important? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So one more question before we go to the break. I know you talked about doing a lot of your own and unique uh, research for the book. Where else did you gather information besides the big um, uh, survey that you sent out? So I went online and did a lot of research and looked at scholarly articles that were on scholarly websites. And as somebody that trained in clinical psychology, um, part of what clinical psychologists are, they pride themselves on this, and that is to ground everything in statistics and research. So I'm very big on that because that's how I was trained. And I had a professor in undergrad Dr. Colleen Hester, who was 
a psychologist who was the greatest teacher, and she's the one that I did my first research project with at the University of St. Thomas here in Houston. And she told me, always ground everything you do in statistics. That makes it something that people will pay attention to, and they will say, you know, that that's grounded, that's fact, it's not somebody's hearsay or prediction or whatever. So I'm very big on that. And in graduate school, I did a master's thesis with Dr. Marsha Harmon, who is still there as faculty today at Sam Houston State yeah. University in yeah. Huntsville, north of Houston. And yeah. she also said, you know, we ground everything in our stats. And so my master's thesis was all grounded in statistics. And that's all, you know, all there yeah. and all fact. And so I know how to go back and look at articles. I get a lot of scholarly journals myself. I subscribe to several and I'm part of the American Psychological Association community. So I do get their publications. And so I looked at all that to really look at scholarly articles on female friendship and what are they telling us? Yeah. Yeah. And all of that you've put into this wonderful book on girlfriends. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, what's been your biggest surprise about people's reaction to your book? I love that question because I get asked that in a lot of my interviews too. And I'll tell yeah. you, Tony, I'm calling it girlfriend fever. The biggest yes. surprise, the biggest surprise has been the shock and the awe yeah. of girlfriend fever. When I travel at these different book events in different states and even in Mexico, people come up to me and they, as I'm signing their book, they start telling me their personal stories about, I'm going to give that book to my daughter. Her husband just got out of ICU and her girlfriends were the ones that kept the vigil with her in the hospital. It was her girlfriends that saved her. And I want her to have your book because she knows now how important those girlfriend connections are. And I hear story after story. Another person said, I'm a new widow. And it's been my girlfriends over the course of the last three months as I've been a new widow at age 50. It's been my girlfriends that have saved me from drowning because this has been so painful and it's my girlfriends that have saved me so and every place I go it's more stories like that and what I'm learning is that this message is resonating with people no matter where I go what state what age group it's resonating and girlfriend fever is spreading people are buying not one book they're buying five and six because they want to buy one for their sister and their daughter and their mother and their neighbor and their girlfriends and so the shock and awe of the girlfriend fever that's spreading across internationally now because we're talking to you in in australia yeah so it's just so fun to see the spread and i am in awe and i'm so grateful and i'm so glad that it's helpful to people and it's resonating and we even have now the talk of of future seminars coming and even a cruise coming next year in 2020. Grab your girlfriends. Let's go on a cruise and learn more about the healing power of girlfriends. Do you know where the cruise will be going from yet, Deborah? I am talking to some travel planners as I speak to you and I am in the beginning stages. It's probably either going to be out of Galveston, Texas, since that's very close here. It's only 30 minutes from me or out of Miami would be the other place. And we'll go to the Caribbean, probably early winter of 2020 and get out of the snow. Yes. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, get out of the snow and cold, and let's go have fun with our girlfriends on a boat, and I will do some um, workshops, especially. Yeah.
Are you there, Deborah? Okay, I think we might have lost Deborah just briefly. So we might pop on to an early break with Rebel and we'll come back with Deborah in a moment. Okay, over to you, Rebel. Keeping the conversation going on the suppressed social and moral issues, this is Radio Tony on W4WN. Join Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Radio Tony uncovers and exposes the social and moral issues of our time, bringing social consciousness to the airwaves. You're not alone with your secrets. Let's talk trauma and resilience. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis, Thursday evenings from 7pm Eastern Standard Time on W4WN. Keep the conversation going. Directory assistant. Call Radio Tony. Hello. 561-623-9421. On W4WN, radio guest Skype.
Radio Tony on W4WN, a platform for the unheard. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Radio Tony. This morning or this evening, we're talking to Deborah Olson, the wonderful author of The Healing Power of Girlfriends, How to Create Your Best Life Through Female Connection. And I'd really like to especially thank Deborah for um, being on the show today. She's had a powerful reaction to her book, and we've been discussing everything that's happening for her. And I just wanted to know, Deborah, what are the two takeaways from your book that you're hoping people will embrace? Great question, Tony. I do have two takeaways that are really powerful takeaways. And the first one is, Never underestimate the power you have to be someone's anchor in the storm. And I'm going to tell you a little story about that. I wear a little anchor necklace around my neck. And the Mm -hmm. story about this anchor necklace is in the book. And the story goes like this. I was having lunch with a dear friend of mine here in Houston for my birthday. And she presents me with this little birthday gift. And I open it up and inside is this lovely little gold necklace with a gold anchor. And there's a poem that is with it. And the poem is on friendship, darling little poem that came with the necklace. And I said, Oh, this is lovely. And thank you so much. And my friend Alicia, her name is Alicia. She says to me, lovely name. And she's as lovely as her name. I love her dearly. She's a mother of four like myself. We connect very closely. And Alicia said, I want you to have this anchor necklace because it will remind you that you have been an anchor for me. And it took my breath away because I had no idea that Alicia saw me in that way. I had no idea that I had been her anchor or that I had provided that piece for her during life storms. So it made me tear up and I thought to myself, this was a magical moment for me. I've got to treasure this and then remember to share this with others. So I put that in the book. The necklace is actually something that I like to share with people where they can get it because a lot of people ask me, they comment on how beautiful this little necklace is. And it's sold by a wonderful husband and wife team. They have their business in Southern California near LA and it's called dog eared and I'm going to spell it and tell people how they can get it. So it's dog D O G dog eared E A R E D.com dog eared.com. You can go online and order their jewelry. You'll see the anchor necklace on there. And they gave me permission to use the friendship poem in my book. So the poem that came with the anchor necklace is actually in my book and I wanted to pay back and thank them for honoring my request to put that lovely, lovely poem in the book. And so I like to share with people how they can get that necklace when I travel around. But that was that was a, a major moment for me in life to hear that I had been someone's anchor. The second takeaway is we women live our best life, and that's our longest, healthiest, and happiest lives when we stay closely connected regularly with yes. our girlfriends. And that's what yeah. the book that's what the book says. That's what the research is now telling us that we actually live 
longer, which is amazing to me. Oh, wow. Who doesn't want to sign up for that? I get to enjoy my friends and I get to live longer if I do this. So it's, it's having some benefits for our our coronary arteries, it takes our stress levels down, it decreases cortisol levels when we get stressed. So it it has a brain chemistry effect that then has a whole body effect. And the research is showing that when we regularly gather with our girlfriends, that there's some protectant that we're getting from that. And it actually now is leading to longevity. And as I've traveled wow. to these, yeah, these senior community retirement places that I've been traveling to. And I'm talking with these super agers who are 80 and above and they're thriving and they're just amazing people. And you see that many of them are now widows. They're, they're 80 something or they're 70 something and they're actually widows, but they are surviving that widowhood and thriving through it because they have made new friends in these retirement communities that they've moved to. So yes, they're a new widow and they don't have their spouse with them anymore. And that's very different and it's a big adjustment, but they've made these new friendships and they're thriving because they've got all these girlfriends around them. So yeah. the studies, the studies that I talk about in my book on the superager concept, this is a fairly new study within the last couple of years. And yeah, what yeah. the research tells us is they did the study and found that people that are superagers, and that term is applied to people 80 and above that are cognitively, yeah. so brain-wise, so cognitively yes. younger yes. by 20 to 30 years. So they're oh, not wow. really yeah, they're not really 80. They're more, you know, 20 to 30 years below that. Yeah. So say 60, maybe. Yeah. How fabulous. So, um, and they're finding that the reason that they are super agers and they're so much younger cognitively is because these women have stayed in vibrant, thriving friendships and they are still celebrating those friendships regularly. They're getting together with their girlfriends. They're communicating. They're having this lovely intimacy with their BFFs. And so it keeps us younger and healthier and happier. It's wonderful. It's just such great news. So that's the other takeaway from my book. Those are two of the best takeaways I've heard in ages, Deborah. That's fantastic news. Thank you. Um, And uh, I'm saying that today because after the show, I'm going to um, lunch with two of my best girlfriends for a Friday afternoon. So it's nighttime, nighttime in the US, but it's um, it'll be lunchtime by the time I finish in here in Australia. And uh, yeah, we're getting together for an afternoon of uh, girlfriend catch up. So um, you're making me feel particularly wonderful (laughs) about all of this. That's awesome, Tony. I'm so excited for you. And you are making my point right there. And the one thing that I tell people everywhere I go is I know life gets stressful and our calendars get full and we have stressful days where we look at everything and go, oh, I I can't make that lunch with my girlfriend because my little child is sick or I've got too many errands to run. And you know what? The research is telling us don't cancel the girlfriend lunch. That's the one thing you need to honor and keep on your calendar because when we need to talk with our girlfriends is exactly when those stressful times hit. That's the one thing we do need to keep. So that's just great that you're having that Friday lunch with your girlfriends. Good for you. (laughs) I'm so glad because, well, you were as equally busy as I am, Deborah, and it's so hard sometimes to find that pocket of time to do that. But I've actually started scheduling it into my diary um, to do that. And I didn't know why. And now I do. Thank you very much to you. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And just keep doing it. That's that's yeah. so awesome that you're being a role model for the women out there. And I, I'm glad they're hearing you say that because it is something that I tell people you have to be deliberate about it. You've got yes. to actually take your calendar. And if you're an old school like I am, I'm very old school. So I have a calendar I'm that saying, I use a pencil. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah I not, still have a writing good. diary. I have an electronic diary, but I have also a physical writing diary. Me too. Me too, um, me too, Tony. I'm the I same. Just and yeah. <laughs> can't get to the electronic one so well. <laughs> <laughs> me too. I've got to be able to hold the paper in my hand and write it in. I'm yeah. just old-fashioned. So I do write down, you know, my lunches with my friends or my Friday uh, happy hour with my girlfriend to get a glass of wine yeah. together or whatever. And we have to be deliberate about it. It's not going to happen agree. on its own. It's not just going to magically appear. We have yeah. to, I tell people, it has to be deliberate. It has to be methodical. And you yeah. have to actually give it time and, and planned out thought. So yeah. if you can do that, then it does go on the calendar and yeah. it will happen that way. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in the process of writing, can you tell me about your journey with your own friends and families? Things like, you know, were there moments of awkwardness? Were there difficulties? Did anyone say, you know, you shouldn't be writing about that? How did that go for you, Deborah? Well, nobody said anything quite like that. But I will share yeah. with you that that my journey with writing this book and getting it out in print in March has been difficult and for different yes. reasons than that. I'm just going to share with you because when I go on my book tours, one of the things that I tell people when I'm speaking to them is, I got this book into your hands today, but I think if you know about the journey that I went through to get it into your hands today, yeah. it's going to mean a lot more to you. So I yeah. backtrack a couple years. It really started in 2017. And I, and I go mm -hmm. back to that and I tell them about the journey. There were some defining things that happened to me. And I, you talk about curveballs pelting you. I've been yeah. pelted. So I'm going to share with you and your, your audience about that right now. And so yeah. I went through all of this to get that book into your hands today, I had to keep pushing through all of this and pushing through yeah. it. And yeah. these were the challenges. Living here in Houston, we get hurricanes that hit us occasionally. Yeah. And we had yeah. a big we had a big bad boy that came in in August of 2017. So almost two years ago now, um, a big yeah. bad boy called Hurricane Harvey. You may have yeah. heard about Harvey. Yes. And yes. Harvey was destructive on a scale that most of us hadn't seen before. And he did a lot of bad stuff. He uh, took away my daughter's home. She lives in a west suburb of Houston called Memorial yeah. Katy area. And yeah. she lost her home. My hu her husband and my daughter, they, they had only been married a short time. It was their first home. They had just purchased it. And so my son-in-law and my daughter had just moved in a couple months before and they were enjoying having their own piece of real estate. And Harvey yeah. came in and we had 50 inches of rain, five zero, five yeah. zero inches That's of rain in two days. That's a lot. Yeah. And they had water up to the kitchen counter in their home for yeah. two weeks. So yeah. they lost their home. And so they moved in with us. So during yeah. that time, we were helping them getting, you know, storage unit for the few items they could salvage and helping them move out of their destroyed home. And they moved in with us. And so that my book went on the back burner. I didn't do much writing during yeah. those months after Harvey. Then fast forward a few more months later in 
early 2018, January, I had a opportunity to travel with my husband to California with my dad on a little getaway weekend. And my husband had a really bad health issue. He ended up in ICU in Loma Linda Medical Center um, in Southern California. And fortunately, it was touch and go there for a while. We thought we were going to lose him. And the doctors were also thinking he wouldn't survive it. He had blood clots and it was <sighs> in his lungs and it was really, really bad. But he That's ended up good. surviving. No, it was it was very, very touch and go. And they weren't sure he was going to make it, but he did. And we yeah. brought him back to Houston and we're very grateful that he recovered. And I had to put my book on hold, of course, for the following months yeah. after that. And let it go for a bit, hop off the project, but I got back right away on it. And then fast forward a few months later, uh, late in 2018, he had more Mm -hmm. medical issues that put him back in the hospital, back in ICU. So again, my book had to go on the back burner for a few weeks, but I told my, my editor and I've had the world's best editor on this project. Her name is Candace Johnson. She lives in Portland, Oregon, and she is amazing. And she kept saying to me, you know, you're doing great. You're pushing through this stuff. If you need a little break and you want to hop off this project, we can give it a a little bit of a rest. And I said, you know what, Candice, I'm going to take a few days, but I'm not hopping off because I need to get this book out. I feel so passionate about the message. I want women to benefit from this. And if I put it on the back burner, it may not get back to it. So I'm going to push through. We're going to get this book out. And so Candace and I powered through it and it finally did get launched on March the 8th of this year. And so to get it to people's hands today, they have to know that I went through all of those battles and they really were battles. And I kept pushing through because I believe in this book and I believe in the message and it's touching lives. And everywhere I go, people come up to me and say, Thank you for putting this in a book. It's a handbook on how to be a friend. It tells me things I never thought about before. And thank you for putting it in a a book because it's a recipe for friendship. It's truly a recipe book for how to be a friend and how to be in a friendship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I just, just to tell our listeners, um, Deborah's story about the difficulty of um, getting a book to the public um, is a story that I hear from many, many, many authors. When you decide to write a book, that's the time when all these things happen in your life. It's like... Mm -hmm. The universe knows the importance of your writing and the importance of getting that book to the world and it just hits you with all sorts of unexpected things to deal with just Mm -hmm. to birth, if you like, that book. Um, And it's an important process, um, but it's definitely one of the things that seems to be the same for all the difficulties they face just getting a book to everyone. Exactly. Um, and, and it's a, a labor of love, really, isn't it? It is. I, I truly have said that, and Candace and I have laughed about that. And she said to me on March 8th, how does it feel to, to actually have a published book today? And I said, you know what? I feel like a new mom who just <laughs> birthed a child. Yeah. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like this is my fifth baby that I just gave birth yeah. to, my fifth child. And yeah. that's really the closest thing I can compare it to because there's a lot of I labor agree. pains, lots of labor pains. And lots of re-editing and working the manuscript over and over. And Candace is... And over and over and over. And just when you think it's right, you find another little thing that needs to change. Yes. 
Yes, exactly. And Candace has really high standards, which I am so grateful for because I didn't want to put anything out that wasn't a good product. I wanted a, yeah. a perfect product. And so she is that editor that helps you, you know, yes. really put out something you can be proud of because it's gone yeah. through so many edits and copy edits and proofreadings and not yeah. just by her, by other people. We send yeah. it out to other people and had new eyes look at it for the first time. So, um, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, Sorry, it's I'm laughing. Really Ken's commenting on the chat, surely not the same kind of pains. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty close. <laughs> yeah, pretty Not close. Not physical pains, definitely, but life pains and hardship uh, yeah. and emotional struggle. I, right. When I was writing my book, the emotional ups and downs were, were part of the process as well. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So my next question I had was around what you do to unwind and relax because we both know that the writing promoting marketing of a book is hard darn work so how do you unwind yes that's a great question i like to go to the water and i'm a pisces so i'm a water girl and if you look at the cover of my book that's not an accident i picked that cover because First of all, it depicts women at the beach, which is my favorite thing is to go to the beach with my girlfriends. And I just love the ocean. I love water, period. And we live very close to Galveston Bay here in Houston. So I live live, um, on the water. And I love to go outside and sit by the water and watch the coastal birds. It's very relaxing for me. I have binoculars and a little bird book that is by the window where I can see all the birds coming in. And we have herons and we have egrets and we have lovely lovely coastal birds that come and they they fish right in front of our house so i like to go out and be in nature and i also love to go boating and i love to go shelling on the beach and i have lots of great shell collections so i'm a water person and that's where i find my happy place and my relaxation yeah 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 that's wonderful so what's your favorite book and why my favorite book other than your own yeah of course other than my own other than my own there's an author here in the new england states in america by the name of joan anderson and she's written several books and they're all just awesome and the book that i read first that i've read all of her books actually but the first one that i read was one called a weekend to change your life And I Uh took that book, actually took that book to the beach in Mexico, and I read it there, and it was life-changing for me. It's just a powerful read, and it's about how that we women are, we wear a lot of hats, and we are a lot of things to a lot of people, and we, we meet the needs of our children and our husbands and our friends and maybe our parents if they're older. And so we're doing all of this and we put ourselves last because that's what women do. And a lot of times we get burned out and Joan just talks about the journey from being just completely spent, just completely burned out. And how do we get ourselves back again? How do we find ourselves back in that place that we used to be. We're buried somewhere back there. We're just buried. So yeah. it's a it's a how-to manual and it's chocked full of great stuff. And I reread it from time to time because it just is a good refresher on how to be kinder to ourselves and yeah. how to kind of replenish and get back yeah. to us again. Yeah. 
so important to do the elements of self-care that um, rejuvenate mm-hmm. your soul. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So important. Yeah. Yep. So I'm wondering, in writing the book, what would you like to accomplish most? I would like to accomplish the wonderful wonderful challenge I guess it is right now I'm looking at it as a challenge to get my book out to as many people as possible and to have them read it and have them actually implement the things in the book into their own lives to attach those things into their own routines and to their new behaviors and to have this book as a result touch lives everywhere throughout the world. I want it to be put in other languages so that people can read it in other languages. I really want this book to go throughout the world and to be a real handbook on how to be a better friend, how to make new friends, how to get the most out of your friendships, and ultimately how to live longer, healthier, happier lives by doing so. So it's about touching lives for me. That's what this book was written to do as a nurse. We go into nursing not to make a lot of money because nurses don't typically make a lot of money. (laughs) Not, not a lot. I mean, it's, it's a good career, but you know, you don't go into it for the money. You go into it because you're passionate about helping people. Mm -hmm. You're passionate Mm -hmm. about making a difference. You're passionate about healing. You're passionate about walking through illness with people. And that's why I wrote this book, Tony. I wrote this book. It comes from a place deep in my soul. It comes from my heart. It is a piece of my very inner thoughts and inner world and inner soul that I'm sharing and putting out there with people so that hopefully they can learn from the the tools that are in this book and say, I'm going to try this. This is how to make a new friend. Okay, I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to see if I can do this and actually make a new friend by by trying this new tactic. So that's my hope. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fantastic. So, I'm curious, I know we talked a little bit about this earlier, but how long did it actually take you to have a completed book manuscript? It took me about three years. I started my outline in early 2016, and I finished the outline and then started actually writing parts of the chapters in 2016. In 2017, I actually took an online writer's course with a man by the name of Bill O'Hanlon. Bill O'Hanlon is a very successful psychotherapist and author of 30-some books, and he does an online course that I signed up for and took so that I could really learn how to not only do a really great outline and then put the chapters together and all of that, but how to maybe think about, do I want to self-publish or do I want to go with a main publishing company, and how do I write the proposal, and all the pieces that factor into all that. I really felt I needed more education on that. So I took his course. And as I was taking his course, I was also finishing my own manuscript. And then because I took his course, I had that connection to him. And he put me in touch with my first editor. That's how I found her. And her name is Cindy Barlow. She's in New Mexico. She did the first draft uh, manuscript read yeah. and edits. And then she had to hop off the, uh, the the project because of some health things. So yeah. she pointed me in the direction of Candace Johnson, who then really stepped in and did 
the bulk of all of the rest because uh, yeah. I only had Cindy on the project for just a few months, but she yeah, did yeah. actually the, the first round of edits and Cindy Barlow is, is awesome. She, um, a great coach and editor also. And then yeah. I went with Candace for, for the bulk of everything after that. But, uh, Bill O'Hanlon pointed me in the direction of Cindy, which was a great find. So I've just yeah. been very blessed in having the right doors open for me by, yes by, you know, signing up for this course and then, and then this door opens. And so things have just, one thing leads to another leads to another. And so I finished, I finished the manuscript in late 2017. We were done right around Christmas time. And then Candace and I started trying to get things rolling forward into early, you know, how, how is it going to be? We started polishing and all those pieces that that came in in 18 and then in 19 when it actually came out this year. Yeah. Okay. Well, Deborah, we're going to have to pop on to a quick break, but when we return, I've got some more questions for you. Um, sure. Over to you, Revel. Thanks, Deborah. You bet. Radio Tony on W4WN, a platform for the unheard. Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty is the new book from Australian author Tony Londis. Available in paper, ebook, and audiobook formats, Resilience is the true life story of Tony experiencing and surviving trauma, abuse, mental health issues and the ultimate betrayal of someone she fell in love with. Exposing moral issues you may have dealt with too. Read how hope and happiness triumph in her life. Available at Amazon.com and all good online retailers. Radio Tony on W4WN. Your safe space for tough conversations. Be 
Radio Tony with Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. And welcome back, everyone, to Radio Tony with your host, Tony Lontis. Today we're talking to the fabulous author of uh the Healing Power of Girlfriends, How to Create Your Best Life Through Female Connection, Deborah Olson. And welcome back, Deborah. Thank you, Tony, so very much. I am so honored to be here with you today. This has been so much fun. <laughs> it is fun on the radio, and it's lovely when our guests send us lots of um, questions, but I've got some more questions for you first. Okay. So- What criticism about your writing gave you pause and made you rethink your writing style? That's pretty easy, actually, Tony. I always have had a tendency to be very wordy, (laughs) use Uh a lot of adjectives, you know, a lot of adjectives, a lot of phrases, and I love to describe things in great detail. And so for me, it started when I was in undergrad at the University of St. Thomas, and I was working on my honors thesis with Dr. Colleen Hester, and she was so sweet, but she said to me as we were sitting in her office one day, she said, I love all of what you're putting together here in your research project and what you're writing, but she said, we need to be more succinct. Can you just really try to be more succinct? And I'm like, wow. That's a, that's a big, that's a big charge right now, but I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to try. So, she started me thinking that way, even in undergrad. And then in grad school, working on my thesis, Dr. Harmon said the same thing to me. We need to be real succinct. You only get this much space and you've got to cut to the chase, cut to the chase, cut to the chase. So then when I wrote my book and Cindy gave it the first go around and then Candace all of the time after that, and they both have said the same thing. We need to chop, 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 and we need to get rid of all this extra stuff, and we need to get rid of these extra words and be more succinct. So yeah, 
Candace would tell you if you were asking her this question, she would say, my my editor, she would say, mm, we just got to get less words. We got to get more out of less. And so that's been my challenge. And I actually, I think I'm making some progress on that. Actually, yeah. I'm writing a lot of articles for newspapers and magazines and things like that now, and yeah. a lot of blogs. And what I'm doing is I'm changing the way that I structure my my paragraphs and I'm going with much quicker paragraphs more bullet points and I'm being more succinct I'm still a work in progress but I am getting better (laughs) yeah 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 um in the editing and rewriting process before you published did you have to delete portions of your book that you wish you could have included I did they did have to they, they took out, um, my editing people took out a few stories, not, not a lot, but a few yeah. personal stories. I, I really wanted to have this be about a lot of stories, this book, so that yeah. people could relate to people love real life stories and scenarios because they can envision themselves in those, in those stories. And so yeah. in the beginning I had a lot more than I ended up with. I, I had a lot of stories and yes. my editing team said, we need to cut back on a few of those stories. We just, we don't need quite that many examples and quite that many stories to be powerful. So, so we did, and, and it was the right decision. So we had to keep some and get rid of some. And so, um, I guess that was the few personal stories that we had to let go by the wayside. Um, I would have loved to have had those, but, but we, we just couldn't do it. So, yeah. 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 That's understandable. Often you're writing to what, they would call what I called as a word budget. <laughs> yes, exactly. A word budget. That's a good way yeah, to a word to put budget. It. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which is hard when you're a writer and wanting to write all these things and having to keep to a word budget is 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 difficult. Um, I understand. Yes. Uh, and and you're so attached to the words you are writing yes. that losing any of them is quite a wrench um, at times. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What was the best advice you were given about writing? I would say the best advice that I was given about writing would be to find a really top-notch editor. Yeah. To really not rely on your own editing skills, to yeah. really surround yourself with a great editor, somebody that is highly skilled. This is yeah. their business. I mean, I am a psychotherapist and a nurse. I yeah. am not, I'm not a journalist as such. Yeah. And, um, I do love to write. It is a passion for me. I loved writing yeah. as a small child. And even yeah. as a third grader, my dream as a third grade child was to one day write my own book and publish my own book. So it's been a lifelong dream of mine and I've always enjoyed it. And I got some writing awards in undergrad and then graduate school. I was fortunate enough to actually get some awards for my writing, but I, I also am realistic enough to know that I'm not a journalist by trade. I'm not educated with that background. So I need to surround myself with somebody that is, and I need an editor, somebody that's educated and trained and a professional in that area to really give my book the best shot. So again, I I found these wonderful editors and Candace just, Candace Johnson just did the most amazing job in editing my book and then sending it out for further proofreading and copy editing. So I could not 
say enough words of praise for Candace and all she's done to get this book in the shape that it's in today. It's just, it's just amazing what she's done. So I'm very grateful for that. Mm-hmm. I have to agree with you, Deborah, that the the value in having um, a good editor should never be underestimated by anyone who's wanting to write because what they bring to your writing and your book is immense value. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's that's so true. And, you know, there's one more thing I will say about that, Tony, is because yeah. um, the other piece, once the book is out, okay, yeah. then a lot of authors don't know what to do once the book is out. And yeah. what I've been told is they, you know, sometimes they're busy doing their other career or, or doing yeah. other things and they, they don't really market it. And so, yeah. Well, it doesn't sell as much and as big then because it's not being properly, you know, marketed yes. by by the experts. So another yeah. piece of advice that I was given, and I'll just share this, and this is the next step once the book is out. The next yes. piece of advice I was given, Tony, was to hire and surround yourself with the experts that know yes. how to market your book. So yeah. I started to find those people. and. Yes. My marketing team is a lady in Arizona. I mean, we, yeah. we aren't in the same town anymore, are we, when we have these different uh, productions that we do with no. books or whatever. We're all over. Yeah. And so all my editor's in Portland. Yeah, my editor's in Portland, and my social media marketing team is yeah. in Phoenix, Arizona. So yeah. I found Sue Canfield and her husband, Joel. She's awesome. I guess you you know about her. That's yeah. how that's how I found you and how come I'm here today is, yeah. is Sue, Sue found you. And so Sue is amazing. She and Joel, her husband, do this business together and they're social media marketing experts. And yeah. what I love about working with them is they're very hands-on and they return your emails right away. If you have a question yes. and you email them, they're on it. And within you know a, a few minutes or an hour, you have a, an answer to your question. Yes. They don't leave you in the lurch like That's happens nice. with some types of uh, marketing that, that happens. And so, you know, they, they're, they're right on it. And so what I love about them is they're accessible and they care about your experience and they do everything they can to be hands-on with you. So I can't praise them enough. And I've just been very grateful. They found you for me and found this wonderful opportunity on your show here tonight. And I'm just, Uh, I'm actually incredibly grateful to have uh, been introduced to Sue as well. Um, she's very good at what she does and, and I yes. wouldn't have such a high quality of guest in you had we not um, been introduced. So I'm as equally as grateful as you, Deborah. Oh, well, thank you so much, Tony. I appreciate that very much. I, I really do. And I just really feel that when you've put all this time and effort into a book and, and of course money too, cause you know, you, you spend money with the editing and all those different yeah. steps, but when you've done all that, then the next part is the marketing and yeah. we all have a budget. We have to stay in, of course, we all yeah. have a budget to work with, but find the people that are going to be the best fit for you with your yeah. social media marketing, because that's yeah. That's critical. That's key because it takes your book to another level. And so I am just really happy that I've been able to have Sue and Joel be with me on this journey through the marketing because now that's really the next piece for me on into next year is, you know, this marketing piece that we're doing together to get the book out and get the word out. So it's, it's huge. 
Did um, Sue and her team organise your uh, where your book um, tour, or did you do that yourself, Deborah? I've been doing the book tour organizing myself. Yeah. And what Sue helped me with is yeah. I was in Phoenix, Arizona, where she lived back in April. So yeah. when we were talking and she heard that I was coming to town, I reached out to her to see if we could have some media that would be able to yes. um, interview me and, you know, just alert the media there in Phoenix. And so she knew where I was going to be on what days and we coordinated yeah. together. And the reason that I did the talk show with Carol Blonder on yes. AM 1100. The reason I, yeah. I did that with Carol Blonder while I was in Phoenix in April is because of Sue. She yeah. reached out to a person she knows that reached out to Carol Blonder. So it was kind of a connection through that yeah. route. And it's yeah. who you know and who you can connect with. So Sue really Definitely. did a lot for me while I was there in Phoenix. Yeah, yeah it was she was golden to get me that wonderful interview with Carol Blonder. Yeah. So I'm very grateful for that. And that was that was Sue. And so I think what I've learned about um, planning your book launch and then your book tour is a lot of times it's going to be something you're going to have to really roll up your sleeves and get down to work and do it yourself. Definitely. Right? It's relentless. I'm not it sure. Is. Yes. If our listeners realize that um, it's incredibly hard work and it's it relentless, it um, particularly when you don't have, um, you're not a high profile personality or, yes. or a known person yes. in media, um, it's incredibly hard it for is. your book to be picked up by the everyday person. Um, yes. And you need to be doing it relentlessly and talking to people, going on radio, organizing um, uh, places to speak and uh, mm -hmm. events to promote your book. And usually no one else does that except the author. Right. Exactly. Exactly. That is so true. And it is relentless. That's a good word for it. It's nonstop. Yeah. And I do something for my book tour every day, even if it's yes. just sending off an email or two. I yes. don't have really a day of the week that I don't do something for my book tour. Yes. And so yeah. it is, it's, it's 24 seven nonstop. And yeah. I'm doing this on purpose to get the word out as quick as I can to as many yeah. people as I can, because yeah. I don't want to miss the opportunity. I yeah. also have, and Sue told me this, as did Candace, my editor, they both yeah. said to me, you are very fortunate because you have a lovely circle of girlfriends that live yes. around the United States. And yes. those people have stepped up. And yeah. as I traveled to these different places, California, Omaha, Nebraska, my dear friend, Kim Chere, who's another nurse friend of mine that I went to yes. nursing school with. Kim's yeah. the one that helped organize what happened in Omaha a few weeks ago with over yeah. 150 people coming to the alumni banquet to hear me speak. That That's was my fantastic. friend, Kim. Just fantastic. And that was Kim working behind the scenes yeah. to make that happen. So whether yeah. I'm in California, Omaha, I'm going to F 
Florida with my dear friend Kathy Steuben, who's in the book as well, um, in in November. So it's my girlfriends in these different states that have stepped up and said, hey, let me plan a book event for you. How do you want to do this? Let's do this. Let's make it as big as we can. And so, you know, Jenny Gosden back in Phoenix back in April, she worked so hard to put that all together. So I've been very blessed and I don't take that lightly. I am grateful, grateful, grateful for all my friends that have said, hey, let me help you. And so if somebody's out there trying to market their book, I would just say, hey, think about the connections you already have, the friendships, the family, the people you know in different places that will maybe partner with you to offer to do a book discussion, maybe in their living room or Maybe yeah. in a restaurant, in a in a cafe or whatever, because people want to help, and it's it's really been awesome to see the caring, kind friends that have stepped up and said, "Let me host something for you. Come to my yeah. state. Let me help you." So it's awesome. Um, I'm going to keep talking through our next scheduled break because I have so much more to talk to you about, and I've got a um, question from Missy: um, Is it really hard to get a book out? I know the answer to that, but I'll let you answer that, Deborah, first. <laughs> I think it really is that hard, yes. Yeah, it's I think definitely hard. It, it is, right, Tony? I mean, it's just um, you have this book in your head and you know what you want it yeah. to be and then to get it into print and to go Getting through it out of your brain and onto yeah. words on paper is yeah. a hard process. It is. It is. And life is distracting, as I've shared with you about the curveballs that found me during the writing process. Life is distracting. And we all have things that find us and that distract us and take us off course. So, yes, it's, it's tough to get that book out. I think it also, if you look at it like, this is something I'm passionate about and I'm not going to let these distractions get me off course. I will, I will stay and, and stay focused and keep writing. So a lot of times, you know, I, I write on the weekends, I write on holidays. I, I push through all the challenges because it's important. And my goal was to be an author one day. And that was a, a bucket list thing for me that I said, I don't know how many years I have left on this earth, but yeah. by golly, if I can get a book out, that's a bucket list thing. I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to give it all I have. And yeah. and I think yeah. I, I think I did give it all I have. So Absolutely. yeah, but it's tough. <laughs> and Kathy wants to know how long would it take a person to write a book and get it out there? So before I hand over to Deborah, I'm going to give her a moment to think about that one. But from my perspective, writing my book, my book was rattling around my head for 10 years. And Mm -hmm. then I made a decision to write it in 2018. And I concentrated my effort to write the book like full-time long hours writing between July and November and then Mm -hmm. the formatting and publishing process took me up until January so Mm -hmm. that's you know 10 years of rattling around and notes and stuff and then six months of absolutely dedicated I'm not doing anything else but writing um and and then I have my book so what was it like for you Deborah? Yes well I would say that it wasn't in my head um, for that long, I really, it started to kind of formulate in my head as I was, as I said before, when we opened the show, when I was on the beach that day with our friends and he said, you know, you, you've got something 
really special here, this recipe for staying connected yeah. with your with your your friends that you know you're not in the same state with. You've got to think about putting that in a book. And then and then I did write the original materials for my seminar in Galveston a few months later and put that seminar yeah. on and and that was October of fifteen. So yeah. the ladies just said, you know, this should be in a book. And I really had a lot of the book already kind of put together because yeah. um, as, as I shared with you, my, my Olson friendship framework was already, that yeah. was already put together. And a lot of the uh, curriculum that I wrote for the, the different, different concepts of friendship yeah. that was already in the um, curriculum for the seminar. So I just incorporated that into the book. So I had some of the bones, the actual yes. bones of the book yeah. already yeah. in place. But to actually take it from that and then put it into an actual book uh, took me, you know, about three years. So I would say three years. Now, that being said, this book was being written when I was home, like on the weekends or in the evening, because I also have a a clinical practice here in in Houston. Galleria Counseling is my clinical practice, and it's in the the urban part of the city. I live kind of on the edges of the city, but I travel into the city for my practice. So I was doing the practice during the week and then writing the book on the evenings and the weekends. So I was doing kind of two things. If you could just go away and escape and just I yeah. know people that do this, they they take like yeah. three or four months, maybe kind of like you did, Tony, and you yes. just kind of go away and you shut the world yeah. out and you say, I'm going to write yeah. for three months. I'm just going to write, write, write. That is yeah. how I want to do my next book. That's really what yeah. I hope to do for the next book. Yeah. That's a great idea. I love yeah. that. And unplug and I'll probably go to the beach somewhere and just yeah. sit looking at the water and this book will just kind of start to, to formulate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, before we run out of time, I really want to talk to you about your workshops and events that you offer and and why you do them, how you work, um, what people can expect and where you generally offer these workshops and events before we run out of time. Yes, yes, sure, Tony. So, yes, I do offer seminars and workshops and I will be doing more in the future. And like I mentioned early in the program, putting together a cruise right now, yes. which I really hope to get the details of that advertised soon. It's it's kind of being worked up right now, picking a date and a cruise yeah. line and an itinerary, but um, yeah. stay tuned. And when you give my, my information at the end, people will be able yeah. to follow the development of that cruise and, and yeah. all of that through my social media and my website at galleriacounseling.com. Yeah. But basically, yes, what I want to do when my book tour is over, which will be my, I think my book tour will be coming to an end probably sometime in early 2020, I'm guessing, unless, unless there's more things coming that I don't know about today, but kind of will wind it up at the end of 19, early 20. And then what I really want to do is throw myself full time into planning the girlfriend cruise. And probably that will be like mm, February or March of 2020. And then I'll be doing seminars and I want to take the seminars on the road. So, um, people in Arizona, my girlfriend, Jenny Gosden there, some of her friends were asking about, will you come back? Will you do seminars in Phoenix? And I've had people in other States asking me the same thing. When would you come back here and do a seminar for us? So there will be seminars. I for sure will do some here in, in Houston. And probably in Galveston, because that's where I've done them before. There's a lovely resort called the San Luis Resort and Spa, and it faces the water. It faces the Gulf of Mexico. 
Anything with a spa, right? Because that's part of the relaxation weekend for women. So the San Luis, lovely, lovely resort and spa. It's right on the Gulf. And that's where I've done my seminars in the past. There's other places in Galveston that are also places that I would definitely enjoy checking into to do my seminars there. But I want women to come away from the demands of their families and all the schedules of life that get in the way and come away with a girlfriend for the weekend and have these chances to explore friendship. And let's really kind of get into the nitty gritty of what girlfriends do for each other, how we can be a better girlfriend, how to deal with toxic girlfriends that all in the book and that will all be in my seminars that I'll be offering in the future. So I would say to people, stay tuned. If this is something you're interested in, stay tuned. I would love to come to a place near you. And that being said, I would love to come to Australia and I'll tell you why. I was just going to say, chance you come to Australia. I am. I'm coming to Australia. So let me tell you about that real quick. I will tell you, I will tell you that um, a couple years ago, we had this lovely young couple move in next to us here where I live. Yeah. And this lovely young couple who are my kids' ages. So yeah. they are, you know, in, in their in their late 30s and they yeah. are just delightful. They moved in next to us, our new neighbors, and Kirk and Megan, and Kirk is yeah. from Australia. They moved yeah. here from Australia. Yes. Mm -hmm. So they are moving back there one day. So they tell me, and I can't wait because I've never been to Australia yet. And it's definitely a bucket list thing for me. So we have a pact. We have a, yes, we have a pact that when they move to Australia, my husband and I are coming to visit them. So Mm -hmm. I just want to say a shout out to all of you wonderful people in Australia. We love you. I just think you are the most fun. We love Aussies. <laughs> and um, I'm telling you that I'm coming down there. I want to meet some lovely Australian people there. And well, I will probably I'm on the Gold Coast. Great, great awesome. big circle of people that I know and friends on the Gold Coast. Um, so, okay. yeah, just awesome. let me know. I'll let you know, Tony. I'm coming. I'm coming. So I'll let you know. Fantastic. <laughs> Yes. It it is just a little bit of a long flight is yes. the only downside for being the island of Australia in the middle of nowhere. Yes. It's a long way from our wonderful American friends, but uh, well worth it when you get here. Yes, definitely. I know this to be true. I know this to be true. So it is a long flight. I've been prepared for that. So um, I'll just take a lot of books to read, but um, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I cannot wait to get there and uh, and to meet you one day too, Tony. That would be awesome. That would be just fantastic it's been really wonderful talking to you this morning and just for our listeners i've placed all of deborah's contact social media and her website in the chat box um on w4wn and in our last couple of minutes before we run out of time i just want to thank deborah for coming on Radio Tony today, being such a wonderful guest and telling us so much about her book, her life and her process to becoming an author of this wonderful book called The Healing Power of Girlfriends, How to Create Your Best Life Through Female Connection. Um, And is it available on Amazon as well, Deborah? Is it? Yes, yes, Yes. it is. It's available on Amazon in both Kindle version. If you're a Kindle reader, it's in Kindle and paperback. And so, and the paperback's a great price. It's just $12.95. And so I think that's that's a wonderful price. And that's why people don't just buy one. They want to buy one for their their daughter 
and their sister and their mother and their friends because it is such a great price point. So it's also available at barnesandnoble.com. And um, I just want to say, Tony, it's been such an honor and such a pleasure to be your guest today. And thank you so much for highlighting my book and for helping me get my message out there. It's just been awesome to speak with you and share our passion because I can tell you have the same passion I do to make a difference and help people and I have the best listeners in the world they are so wonderful with such great questions and I just like to give them a big shout out every week because just knowing that they're there listening to the wonderful guest and and being able to hear all about you um, and your wonderful book is amazing for me and with that I have to say goodbye, Deborah. Thank you so much. I will be emailing you again shortly. And for our listeners, thank you once again for joining in and listening to me on Radio Tony today. And I'll be on next week. Um, Over to you, Rebel. And thanks, Deborah. Everyone, Join Tony Londis, author of Resilience, Memoir of a Broken Little Girl, discovering a woman of strength and beauty on the Women for Women Network. Radio Tony uncovers and exposes the social and moral issues of our time, bringing social consciousness to the airwaves. You're not alone with secrets. Let's talk trauma and resilience. Radio Tony is your safe space for these tough conversations. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis. Live from the Gold Coast, Australia. Thursday evenings from 7pm Eastern Standard Time on W4WN. Tough conversations on the social and moral issues of our time with Tony Lontis. Live from the Gold Coast, Australia. Radio Tony on W4WN. Radio Tony. Your safe space for tough conversations. Exposing secrets and talking about trauma and recovery. Radio Tony, a platform for the unheard. Radio Tony. With Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Radio Radio Tony. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Radio Tony. Back next Thursday from 7pm Eastern Standard Time, live from the Gold Coast, Australia. Mom.